0: All right, today on the Righteous Remnant podcast, we're doing something of a different format. Um, we wanted to do an episode on the rise of Asian-American racism, because this has been a super hot topic in the news for the past week. Um, instead of doing a specific interview on it, what we decided is that we're going to do a staff, a Righteous Remnant staff conversation. And we hope that um, this conversation is helpful for everyone listening out there. So, Hello, Righteous Remnant staff. Good to see you guys. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you guys on. Woo! Excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about this. This obviously is a big deal. So let's talk specifically about this incident that happened in Atlanta. This was how many days ago now? It was probably like five days ago, something like that. Was it longer? Um, I think
1: last week.
0: Does somebody want to just detail what, what happened? What, what do we have evidence for that
2: actually happened here? Well, the killer's name is Robert Long. Mm-hmm. White guy. Drives to a couple of Asian spas. And then he murders eight people. Six of them being Asians and two non-Asians. Yeah, two okay. whites. Yeah.
1: And then one was injured. A knife was, it, was injured.
2: For Sure, there was a knife. Yeah, so uh, three non-Asians, one of them being okay. Now, was that this at multiple locations or yeah. was it just one location? He shot everybody at one location.
0: That's a good question. I uh, I, think I
3: thought he went he went to multiple. So he spas,
0: shot people right? at multiple locations. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> and these are Asian-owned spas. Yeah. And these are Asian-owned spas. Now I've heard c- conflicting information. Were these brothels? Like, was prostitution going on at these places, or were these like you know Korean bathhouses that people go to all the time?
3: I thought that they were they were called spas, so not brothels, but like you know, like um, were they like well,
1: Bang's, Like, well, I think it was. So so I think it alluded to um, because I read some stories on social media that some were held there, I think, or they knew of someone, of a mom who was held there without their their will. And they... I think there was some sort of... I don't want to say brothels, but maybe... Maybe I think some sexual favors going on. But there's no evidence of it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, so we're not sure
0: is what it sounds like. Yeah. We're not sure if these were, like, shady places yeah. or if these were, like, totally legit places. And unfortunately, this distinction kind of matters, right? Because... The the narrative that's going out, there's a couple different narratives, right? But one of them is that he did this because he was a sex addict mm-hmm. who was really upset at sex workers, and so he was targeting places where prostitution or things like this were happening, and he's specifically targeting for that reason. And another narrative is going on is he targeted these places specifically because they were Asian, because he had a hatred for Asians, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, those are, you know, two narratives out there. There's room for them to overlap, obviously. But, um, you know, obviously the big question is, to what degree was this motivated by racism, right? Was he a racist? And I've seen different things on this, right? I've seen people saying that there is evidence that he – um, hated Asians, and apparently there's a video out there somewhere. I've tried to find that video. I've not been able to find it. Yeah. I don't know anyone actually who has been able to actually see this video of him, you know, espousing a lot of Asian American racism. Um, but people say that it's out there. Mm-hmm. I've also seen tech stuff that said that you know he was railing about Asian Americans, but then I heard that that was actually fake, right? That it was manufactured. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is so confusing right now. There's Mm -hmm. all this different information that's out there. Do you guys know of any hard evidence? Is there hard evidence right now that says that he is a racist?
3: I haven't seen it. No. I tried to find... I don't don't
2: think there is, yeah.
3: Yeah, I tried tried to find, you know, that that supposed video where he's yelling
1: anti-AIDS, but I can't find it.
2: Yeah. The only thing that seems to be... The argument here is because he killed majority Asians and it was Asian yeah. owned spas. spas. He,
3: he, yeah, he yeah. targeted Asian
2: yeah. owned mm-hmm. spas. Yeah. Right. Okay.
0: So yeah, this is this is a tricky one. Now I did see the police. I believe the chief, the chief of police, mm-hmm. or the person in charge of spokesman, basically said that early evidence pointed to it not being racist. Yeah. Um, right. A race crime. And I did see um, some articles about the chief of the FBI, right, Chris Ray, who came out and said early indication showed that this was not a race-based attack, mm-hmm. but this was it was some type of vengeance against sex workers or something like that. That was at least the motivation that they. And that felt. he
2: was going to a uh, a porn convention or something like that to Florida after this. Okay. And so, by his own admission, that that's where he was yeah. going.
1: Yeah. He he was also in rehab. I think yeah. there was. There was an article about the roommate of at the rehab who spoke out a little bit and confirmed his addiction. Yeah. But okay. that's about it.
0: So, you know, one thing I would say when it comes to these types of mass shootings, I always encourage people to wait a couple of days before mm-hmm. they come down hard on anything because... Oftentimes, the evidence is not clear, yeah. right? Yeah. There's almost always an agenda with mass shootings to make them yes. racist, yes. right? Especially, obviously, when it's a white-on-black shooting or something like that. Um, but whenever these types of incidents happen, it does seem like the media jumps on it and starts running a ton of narratives about racism mm-hmm. or something like this. I always encourage people to wait a little bit because you want to see the evidence, right? You want to see what evidence there is because, look— if there is evidence of serious racism, then I think that that is an important thing for us to consider. Um, but I remember, you know, like the Arby Arbery case, I don't know if you guys followed that mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, I waited because I wanted to hear about the evidence involved in that one. Yeah. And I remember um, when I listened and examined all the evidence, I was like, this doesn't seem racial to me. Yeah. Really doesn't, you know. I understand that it was two white guys, you know, shooting a black guy, and that looks very racist. Um, but you know, some of the points of the evidence, like for example, he actually had grabbed the gun before they started firing, right? That to me was mm-hmm. a very strong point of evidence that said, hey, they weren't, they didn't want to shoot this guy, yeah. right? It seemed like, it seemed very likely to me that they were trying to arrest him, and it's only when it became a really a tussle for the gun itself that they that they started firing that, and that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. So. I simply say that in all these cases, I always recommend to people, don't speak out initially. It's always wise to wait, see what evidence comes out, and then you can really get kind of a more objective picture. Now, what makes this one hard is that even prior to the shooting, there was already a lot of talk in the media about the rise of Asian American racism in the nation. Like, this was a story—I don't know if you guys saw some of these stories— I actually did an interview with a friend of mine on the rise of Asian American racism prior to this shooting. So it's kind of in this context that this shooting happens and it's like the perfect, it's like a perfect storm, right? That's what's made it all kind of take off. So Mm -hmm. question here, is Asian American racism on the rise in America? What do you guys think?
1: Well, I think it's been happening. I think that... We well, I see it to be on the rise because just recently that's when mainstream media has been broadcasting it. But when I ask my parents who are Korean or they're immigrants or Korean immigrants, um, they they tell me that this has been happening forever since they since they came here, they were working out of downtown LA, that this isn't new news to them. So I, I don't know I, I don't I don't know if it's it's a rise. I tried to Google it to Supposedly just Supposedly, it's, it's a significant amount.
2: of The rise, at least, there's like something like nineteen hundred percent. Somebody said that.
3: Let's talk about that statistic,
2: yeah. though. So I want—I'm agnostic to the data. So, yeah. What do you what think? Was the, I don't remember
3: the exact number. There's a certain percentage increase of of
0: crime. Yeah. So I've looked at some of the data, um, and what it does seem is that there's more. Asian American hate crimes being reported nationwide, nationwide. Now, some of that data is misleading. And the the big one that I saw was like, so for example, in New York City, I think they reported a 900% increase from Mm -hmm. 2019 to 2020. Uh, But when you actually dig into the data, that's because in 2019, I think there were only three reported, you know, race incidents. Or you're saying one reported race incident.
4: Yeah, so... The actual statistic it was it was like really big on social media for a while. They talked about a nineteen hundred percent increase yeah. in anti Asian hate crimes, but it's so misleading because in two thousand nineteen there was only one reported, whereas in twenty twenty there was uh, um, twenty reported. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yes, statistically okay. speaking, nineteen hundred yeah. it seems like such a huge increase, yeah. but in actuality, the numbers it's just an increase from one to yeah. twenty reported. Uh, yeah. So honestly, that to me
0: it uh, does so seem there you go. go. Wow. It I seems, never knew that. It seems very manipulative. Yeah. Okay? It does, because we're still talking with very low rates of, of these types of hate crimes being reported. And first of all, I think we should acknowledge, right, not everybody reports a hate crime, right? Yeah. Like, most hate crimes are not going to get reported yeah. in general. Yeah. Um but yeah, we're still talking with about, with pretty low numbers here. It seems to me, like a city of New York City, I don't know how many Asians live in New York City, but it's a lot, right? There's like hundreds of thousands, right? If not, you know, more. So when we're talking about 20 hate crimes, I'm like, it doesn't seem like an epidemic to me. It doesn't, right? I, I, you know, I have faced personal, I've faced racism, I'm half, right, so I've faced racism on both my white side and my Asian side, Mm -hmm. and um, I always say it's ironic, for me, most of the racism I face has been white racism, anti-white racism, because I, you know, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a Korean context, right, so, you know, if you're a, a white guy in a Korean church in the 90s, you're gonna get some racism, right, but... It's pretty low-level, you know, stuff. I've never been, like, you know, beaten for being white or Mm -hmm. vice versa, right? But I've gotten some chinks. I've gotten some of this stuff, right, (laughs) over the course of my life. Um, Most of the racism against my Asian side has come from other minorities, right? I don't know if that's been the case for you. But I think that's an interesting part of this discussion because, you know, if I looked into some of these attacks, what I saw, a lot of the attacks that I saw um, were black on Asian Mm -hmm. crimes. Right, um, yeah. I saw a number of videos where look like black males were attacking a- elderly Asians. Yeah. And um, I heard a figure that said about two-thirds of the rise in recent attacks were black on Asian. Now, I don't know if that's for sure. Has that been verified? Does anybody know?
2: Um, there's no hard data. Uh, the most recent one is from 2018, but it breaks down the ethnicities that are the perpetrators of the hate crimes and mm-hmm. I think it was like twenty seven percent are black, twenty four percent are Asian on Asian, and then about twenty four percent is white on on Asian. Right. Um, and
1: so, yeah, there's nothing hard data as in yeah, that.
0: yeah. So just to you know flesh out those numbers a little bit. So those are pretty even numbers between white, Asian, and black. But you really have to understand the significance of those numbers because. You know usually the highest percentage of crime on any ethnicity will be their own ethnicity right because most of your interactions if you're part of an ethnic group are from people of the other of, of some of the same ethnic group right mm-hmm. and the second is white because most people in america are white yes right so the fact that the the black on asian crime rate is exactly the same as the others or very similar is significant because blacks only make up 13 percent of the population mm-hmm. right and usually in all of these types of hate crimes it's going to be predominantly men, generally speaking, in general, right? It's usually mm-hmm. men that are committing these more aggressive crimes against yeah. people. And um, and again, now we're talking about 6% of the population. We're talking about um, black men, right? So what we have is we have a very small percent of the population that's committing a lot of the crime. We see that in general, but I think that's an important part of this discussion, yes. right? Because a huge part of the narrative that I've seen has been this attempt to link it to Trump. Okay. Or
3: white America
0: or white America, right the Americans that are influenced by Trump who are the white ones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right like and that to me is uh, honestly i 've been personally disturbed by this yeah. right by this narrative, and um, that 's because first of all, I think it seems like most of the, this rise of crime has been happening on the coasts, right All the reports that i 've seen have said that it 's these very urbanized coastal areas like New York like the bay area right san francisco oakland these are like the most progressive parts of the country right and so the idea that trump's Nick, trump's rhetoric is inciting violence in the most progressive parts of the country among the most progressive segment of the most progressive parts of the com- country right? we're talking about blacks right in these you know um super progressive urban places it, the evidence just does not seem to line up on this. It does not seem to line up, and so I'm very open to the idea that we that racism is rising. And I, because I tend to feel that that's just in general, yes. right? I feel like in general mm-hmm. racial tensions are rising in the nation. And um, but I think all these points of evidence are being overlooked, and there is this very strong narrative that it's Trump. Saying Kung Flu, right? He said sure. Kung Flu yeah, and look virus. at the yeah, damage yeah. that it's causing. Yeah. And to me, I I to me it seems like more of the same. Okay? That narrative seems like what the media did to him his whole career, which is, hey, we're going to take <laughs> something they said that is, it could have been worded better. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think yeah. like we all would have preferred mm-hmm. that he worded that a little better. Right. Sure. And to be clear, I think, you know, what he was trying to do there, he was trying to pin the blame for coronavirus yes. on the Chinese government. Yes. Right. Right. He, he clearly had an agenda to do that. So, yes, I would have preferred that he said, hey, it's he's, the Chinese he's made, he's government. Made that,
2: yeah, he's made that clear. Yes. He's saying, I'm not blaming the Chinese people. Yes. They're, um, they're amazing yes. people. It's the Chinese government. Yes. yes. their neglect yeah. on this, yes. and their corruption is what caused this. Yeah. He's so, said that multiple times. Yes. So, this seems exactly like the yeah. very fine people hoax, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Where
0: he's like, hey, there's these very fine people in Charlottesville. I'm not talking about the white supremacists or the white <laughs> nationalists, right? But the media runs... Trump says white supremacists are very fine people, right? That's like yeah. all the headlines for months.
2: It seems very similar here.
1: Yep.
3: Right.
2: But I think we need to talk about the numbers again. I mean, 20. 20 hate crimes reported in twenty twenty in New by New York by New York yeah. from from one to twenty. That's that's very low. I'm not. There shouldn't be any. But it seems the media is portraying this to be this this just an avalanche of. Hate yeah. crimes happening, and I, I for sure. Do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I think it's a good point. 20 is actually pretty great, yeah, right? Like, that's like wow, there's not a lot of Asian American racism, right? And again, we already acknowledged that's that the vast majority is probably not reported, but as a whole, I like, it, I feel the same way about the BLM stuff, right? About on average, there's about 10 unarmed black people that are shot every year by police, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know their names because every time a black person is shot by police, it gets blown up, especially if they're unarmed, right? But the fact is we have 10 a year out of a country of 330 million people. That is actually strong evidence to me that we do not have racist police for the most part, right? If we really had pervasive racism in the police departments, I think almost certainly that number would be a lot higher. And that, it feels very similar to me in this... If we're talking like 20 Asian-American hate crimes in New York City during the pandemic rise of racism year, that seems pretty good. Where did we
2: get that um, stats from?
4: Um, It's from some article, uh, Queens Chronicle. Uh It was uh, statistics released by NYPD. So according to NYPD data, hate crimes motivated by anti-Asian sentiment jumped by 1,900% in the last year. Um, And it shows the statistics... Anti-Asian crime in 2019 reported was one, and then 2020 mm-hmm. was 20.
2: I don't know where I was going with that anyways, but it was just <laughs> some good numbers to, to report. No, I mean, yeah. I, I,
0: think a, I think it's a great point. Yeah, I think it's a great point. A lot of these things, to me, seem like they're more actually evidence of a lack of racism than actually evidence of racism, except when you give it a certain narrative. Right, if you start pushing the narrative, but look at the rise, right? But look, it, it, there's a 1900 percent
2: increase, right? That sounds like really bad. Well, okay, I'll be devil's advocate here. Yep. But Dennis, there is a rise. Yes. All right, and it seems to me that you and your people, your righteous remnant staff, doesn't seem to care that there is a rise. You're minimizing the fact that there shouldn't be. The, yeah. Yeah, there was 19. There shouldn't be any. Yeah. So, how do we respond to that? Over the
0: like last week, we had this in we had this terrible incident where a black elderly man was tied up by two, or excuse me, a white elderly man was tied up by two black young men. He was lit on fire and he died. This is a far more horrendous crime to me. Yeah, it's a far more horrendous because what you have in this incident is you have two people working together. Right In the Atlanta shooting, you have a crazy guy, yeah, right? You have a crazy, crazy guy. But it wasn't like if there were two crazy people working together, that's always scarier. Because what it shows is there's an ideology that's allowing them to cooperate together, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that represents a greater long-term threat. When we're dealing with a crazy guy who might be schizophrenic, who might be, you know, whatever, and he shoots up a place, is it horrendous? Of course it's horrendous, yeah. right? But to me, the danger presented by the idea of two people teaming up, linking up, cooperating to do something this horrific. And this, in a lot of ways, is more horrific, right? Because he's going out and shooting a bunch of people, which is terrible. But they're tying up somebody in an intimate manner and lighting them on fire. I can't imagine the state of your heart to have to be able to do that.
3: Yeah.
0: Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. It is insane. But the more insane thing is that this is barely covered on the news. Yeah. So what we have is... These, you know, nine, eight or nine people were shot in Atlanta, which is terrible. And everybody's talking about it. And everybody is demanding you support it, right? You support the, the realization of rising hatred against Asian Americans. And honestly, in my heart, I'm like, okay, but what? ...about all the other terrible incidents that are happening in our country. When people say, hey, Dennis, you need to have empathy for the Asians," ...I'm like, yes, I I agree, okay? I agree. I want to have empathy for them. But what I'm pointing out is if you demand... ...that we only have empathy for a certain kind of hatred... Yeah.
1: Right, Uh, yeah.
0: Then to me, there is a slant to this thing that I think is evil... ...because what the whole point of this Marxism, this critical race theory stuff is we're trying to raise awareness of only a certain kind of evil, only a certain kind of hatred, right? And the problem is that we're willing to fudge the numbers, we're willing to manipulate the data, we're willing to jump to conclusions, we're willing to assume motivations because we're trying to push a narrative. And that's my problem because what it actually leads is it leads us away from the truth. And I think if we're going to be objective, then what we need to do is recognize, hey, there is a lot of rising racial tension in the nation. And I'm very concerned about all of it. And honestly, I'm super concerned about the rise of anti-white racial Mm -hmm. hatred in the nation. That to me is so disturbing. It's so problematic. Right? And... (laughs) And I think it's the ideology that's causing that is also the same ideology pushing for, you know, raising awareness mm-hmm. of anti-Asian racism. Yeah. And the reason why I suspect that is because I, you know, I was involved in a Facebook thread And I pointed out that it seems like most of these attacks are actually happening from black people. Mm -hmm. Because on this particular thread, it was all about look at Trump, look at these Mm -hmm. conservatives, look at how they're causing all of this. You know, rising racism. And I said, hey, but it looks like most of it's coming actually from black people recently. And you wouldn't believe the amount of pushback I got on this, mm-hmm. right? Oh, well, you probably would believe it, right? <laughs> yeah. You'd probably believe it because we all understand if you divert attention away from the narrative yeah. or if you try to push back against the narrative and say, hey, hey, what if it's actually more there's rising racial tension and hey,
2: mm-hmm.
0: isn't there anti Asian racism coming from the black community that's also just as evil? right? As any that's coming from the white community, well, now you're going to get, you're going to get hate yourself, Mm -hmm. right? And now, you know, I'm, that's clearly evidence that I'm a white supremacist and Mm -hmm. et cetera, and et cetera. And that's, this is the trend that I'm most concerned about, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I say this, look, I'm concerned because I have close friends of mine who I greatly respect, who are speaking out very strongly on this. But from my perspective, they don't see how they're contributing to the larger narrative that is serving an agenda that I don't think they want to serve. Right. It's the same thing that, you know, when people want to speak up for BLM, right. I understand the heart there. The heart there is, is not a bad heart. It's like, Hey, we love the black community Mm -hmm. in America and we want to support them. Mm -hmm. And to that, I'm like, yes, I totally get that. Right. I'm on the same boat. Also. The problem is when you, choose to support the black community by saying Black Lives Matter on social media, what you don't understand is you're supporting a Marxist narrative that you're not explicitly trying to support, but you are supporting it because you're doing it in the way that they are manipulating you to do it, right? Why can't you show your support for the black community in a myriad of other ways? You can take out a black person to dinner, Right? I don't know. You could Mm -hmm. pray for the black community in your prayer meeting. There's so many ways that we can show support for the black community. Mm -hmm. Why why do we have to do it by saying black lives matter? Why is that the only way that we do it? And if I don't do that, then my silence is violence. And then I'm not loving right. the black community yeah. well. Well, because you're being manipulated to support mm-hmm. an agenda. Yes. And that's what I'm concerned about. There's a very similar thing happening here, mm-hmm. right? And I look, I've had multiple people message me about this. Like, hey, it seems like there is this... Effort to recruit the Asian community into the yes. oppressed minority coalition, yes. and
2: you see that already. You see the rhetoric on on social media. Um, you know we're foreigners in this country. We've never really been accepted by white America. You know all these different things. So there's that now bitterness growing yes. mm-hmm. against America, against mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fruit is there. You see it. It's yes. pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. you have to look at the fruit of what this is causing, like with the BLM movement and now the Asian movement, what is a fruit being produced? Yeah. You know, is it towards godliness or is it a different form of man-centered righteousness? You know, like, I don't see the godly fruit being produced in this. And what you were saying earlier about, you know, you have to agree with a certain narrative. Why? Why? there is a there's a purpose and there's a goal in it it's to identify a common enemy and that common enemy usually is white america yeah. so you have to come in agreement with that and that fits with the marxist ideology because if you agree that white america is the oppressor is is a perpetrator of great evil in our country well then you've got to revolutionize you've got to bring it down you've got to set in your own new system that claims to be fair but it's actually not and i also want to go back to what we're talking about Like the definitions of words nowadays, even racism, right? Everybody's sharing right now their experiences with racism, right? And, but a majority of it, it's not actual physical violence or harm against a person. It's looks, perceived intentions, you know, words, which, microaggressions, microaggressions. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. To, to, that's equated as real racism. And a lot of it, I feel like, Well, you've got to get a lot of people are just ignorant, right? Mm -hmm. Like, where does ignorance fit into that? Oh, they assume that I was Chinese because I'm Asian. That's racist. No, it's not. It's just ignorance and forgive their ignorance. But we have Mm -hmm. like this mass blanket (laughs) movement of call out every racist thing you Mm -hmm. see so that we have evidence as a community that we are victims of this racism in America. But what... What ideology does that definition of racism fit into? Right. It's just going all back to the Marxism thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, especially if you're a believer. I'm like, what is a biblical prescription to all of this? Yes. Mm-hmm. What What do you mean? Maybe we can talk about in our yeah. like right now. What does What do people mean when they're saying raise awareness? What What's the actual yeah, proposed yeah. solution to this?
2: And I just want to touch on that again and what you said is really powerful. You have to differentiate hate crimes from getting made fun of because of your right. eyes yeah. or your, your food smells or, you know, <laughs> you can't drive. I've been called William Hung. I've been called, <laughs> I've been called, uh, we saw him by the way, someone, downtown LA. Yeah, hey, went and to, was I went li- to school with him. Like, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Well, someone called you like Panda Express. Panda yeah. Express.
2: <laughs> Somebody oh. called me. Who's the guy from North Korea again? Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un. This was in a hotel in Huntington Beach. I'm walking down to like, oh, Kim Jong Un's coming. I was like, oh man, that will hurt. <laughs> like, so yeah, how do you
1: that's, differentiate that? that's
2: I, I need. Yeah. We must. Yeah. We must differentiate that yeah. from hate crimes yeah. from violent yeah, hate crimes. Sure. And in light of what happened in Atlanta, and if you're sharing those kind of racial traumas that you had with Atlanta. I think that's... that's are two different things. That's two different things. And I think, I'm going to say this, I'm going to throw it out there, that's insensitive, I think. Yeah. yeah I so think so, so why are people re-
1: relating their experience with you know what was just shared to to what happened in Atlanta? How?
2: Well, I'm going to say something unpopular here. Everything we've been saying was unpopular and anyway. We're so, unpopular. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, everybody wants to be labeled as oppressed. Yeah. I think there's a benefit why? to Why? I don't want to be the only one dominating this conversation. <laughs> you know, let's get all canceled together here.
0: <laughs> yes, right. Join, right. Me. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs>
1: join me. <laughs> I'm just genuinely curious yeah. how and why are they relating to that with their experiences?
2: Critical race theory, right? All that, critical theory, is that you need to label people into groups. You're yes. either the oppressed or the oppressor. Right. So, I believe America now has been conditioned to identify as such. So, Asians, are you the oppressor or are you the oppressed? Sure. So, I think that's one, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm going to call a spade a spade here. If you are oppressed, you can go ahead and voice your concerns in a way where people must, and you can bully people into listening to you. Sure. Right? There's there's yeah. There's kind of a societal advantage to that. I'm not saying every Asian person is like that, mm-hmm. but I think we, we need to recognize that is the root of Marxism, right? and especially now in this day and age, that right. if you can claim that you are oppressed, you know, you can now do things with that. I mean, right?
0: Yeah, well, the, the idea there is you can, you can manipulate people who don't have the moral clarity to say, no, you're not. Yes, right. Exactly. Like, and that's most people, yeah. right? Most people are not mean. That's what it comes down to. Right? Yeah. We have a pretty nice society. Yes. So if you, if you say, "Hey, I'm heard about this," most people are going to be, like, "Screw your pain,"
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah,
0: like, yeah. but honestly, that's where that's where this is building towards, yeah. right? That's where this is building towards because we have such a relatively nice, kind, and loving society. That's why people are open to hearing your pain. But when you use that to manipulate people, what you're doing is you're taking advantage of people's kindness. Right. And that's what this Marxism system does. Right. It takes mm-hmm. advantage of people's kindness yeah. in a way because you're actually manipulating them. That's what, that's what I see in a large scale that's going on here. I'm sorry.
3: No, I, I just want to open this up to our group. Is do you, do you guys think you see, like, within the Asian community, right— Is there, because I often hear this, like you were saying on Instagram, people sharing their experiences, Mm -hmm. I've never felt fully welcomed in this country, and along those lines, is there a root of insecurity as an Asian in America, and if so, how is that a factor in everything that's going on? How is it being used? You know, how are we misunderstanding through that lens? For me, I I think just even from, like I was saying, what's the biblical prescription It's. I feel like we're turning our eyes towards what man can give us, Mm -hmm. what man thinks Mm -hmm. of us, what society... You know, fight Mm -hmm. for our place in society. You know, even with the Georgia shootings, people are upset because they're like, it's clearly racially motivated, Mm -hmm. yet the sheriff and the media is not calling it out as such. That's an example of how we are, you know, oppressed. We're not taken seriously. And I'm like... I, I totally understand that point, that there's so many variables with even within that. The fact that, yeah, Koreans or Asians are usually the ones who, who own and operate these kinds of businesses. There is an idea that, you know, massage parlors or spas, that there's some, you know, funky Shame. things going on with sex workers and things like that. And so, you know, to play devil's advocate, I can put myself somewhat in his shoes of thinking these places are are places of temptation. Like, there's a possibility that that is true. Um, and to not be outraged that, no, it was clearly racial because he shot only Asian-owned businesses, right? And so I, I kind of made a loop here, but I'm going back to, like, what's up with our identity in America right now? You know, is there a root of insecurity that causes us to interpret mm-hmm. interpret these things
2: For sure. through such a lens? For sure. Mm-hmm.
3: And what do we do about it? Especially as believers. Yeah. How
2: dare you speak so honestly? <laughs>
1: How
2: dare you? Well, well, I, yeah, go ahead,
1: no, I think those um, insecurities are justified or feel justified if, if I were that person. Uh, because I am seeing this hashtag movement happen. Finding other allies. Finding other Asian Americans who have experienced that growing up. Um, I, I think that's comforting. So, so then it becomes justified, I think. But I think at the root of it, those are could be insecurities that haven't been dealt with, and yeah, I I I think I think it I think it there's a comfort to it, right? But I don't think that's the same as being a victim of racism.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with for Christians, right? Our Christian, why do we need validation, right? Why do I need my Asian Asian American identity to be affirmed, right, in the world, right? Why do I need Eight, why do I need Asians to be hired in Hollywood? The, the truth is this. I tell I tell Christians, hey, you're probably not going to get hired in Hollywood, <laughs> right? Because they don't hire conservatives. I tell them, if you want to be a professor at, at Harvard, pro- sorry, they don't hire conservative evangelical mm-hmm. Christians, right? But what I don't tell them is, you, you know what you need to do? You need to fight. You need to demand your way into Harvard, right? Yeah, you I mean, need that's to, a good point. Right? Like. The whole idea of us being Christian is that we expect to suffer in this world. We expect to be persecuted to some degree, right? We expect that life is not going to be fair. Why? Because we're living in an imperfect world that's controlled by hostile spiritual powers. That's the biblical worldview. And the whole idea here is that we put all of our hope for affirmation in the Lord, right? All of our hopes for glory in the Lord. So that I'm not freaking out, I'm not upset, I'm not bitter at the rejection and the, you know, the discrimination that I'm going to face in the world. And honestly, from my perspective, that's one of the great strengths of the Asian American community, that we don't complain, right? Like this idea, and it's true, we are underrepresented in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. We are underrepresented in the NBA, right? In the sports in general, right? Like, we are discriminated against in college. We are underrepresented in politics, right? We don't have a ton of Asian senators and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, despite all of that, we have the highest median income in America. We're mm-hmm. the most, so- we're the most successful, you know, socioeconomic ethnic group in the nation. Yeah. We graduate from college at pretty much the highest rates. Right? We have the lowest rates of divorce, right? We have the highest rates of family cohesion and unity. Meaning, by every metric that actually matters, we're doing phenomenal, right? We're super blessed. I think we're the most blessed ethnic group in America. And what it seems like to me is like we're despising those things and we're saying, hey, you know what we need? We need all this other stuff. And that's the stuff that's really important that really matters. And to me, That's 100% backwards. I'm like, hey, no, the truth is we don't need all this other stuff. We don't need to be represented in Hollywood. Would I like to be? Sure, of course. Right? But I don't need it. It's not like a huge blessing compared to all
2: the stuff that we have. Mm -hmm. How do you actively fight racism then? Right? Yeah. For example, you have kind of uh, this minor racism where you're getting made fun of. Yeah. How do you fight something like that? You either could, if you're experiencing that today, right, If you're experiencing no, that today, because I still get made fun of as being Asian. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, do I yell about it? Do I? Yeah. You know, I mean, how, how do you, yeah. Do I do a hashtag movement on? I mean, how do you do? Or, or do you do you respond in humility? And you could say, "Hey, I don't appreciate you calling me that." Mm-hmm. And then if they continue to do that, I think you should just walk away. But I think there's this kind of a It's a great question. What do you do? What's the biblical biblical prescription? Right. When someone strikes
0: you on the cheek, right? Yeah. It's literally turn the other cheek, meaning bear petty insults, right?
2: Small insults. You should just bear it. It's petty insults. Mm -hmm. And you can't conflate that. With serious oppression. With serious oppression. Right. It undermines serious oppression if you're conflating those two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't know if any of you guys know this, but then long time ago, you guys know the comedian Margaret Cho? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a show for a little while, right? It was called I think it was called All American Girl. And mm-hmm. I'm sure she she dealt with all of the stereotypes or hardships of trying to be an Asian to break into, you know, Hollywood um culture and the industry and all of that. And I remember like when I was like this is like when I was a teenager, so I was like, I, you know, you're, you're trying to find out who you are. A lot Mm -hmm. of it depends on who your peers are. Do I look like them? Do I act like them? Do they accept me? You know, your identity is a major, um, issue at that time. Right. And so I went to predominantly white affluent high school and I hated it. Right. Like I, skip more more days of school than I actually attended right and I only graduated because the last year I was like oh my gosh I didn't get my act together you know and I you know my dad kicked a little bit sense into me like literally (laughs) and like I a lot of that time period I was so unhappy because like what everybody's sharing right now like I didn't feel like I fit in you know like I felt odd and all this stuff you know but Going back to Margaret Cho, you know, like, that, at that time period, I was like, oh, heck yeah, you know, like, Korean, she's, she's yeah. yeah, this is so funny, and like, just that sense of feeling like, because we're relational beings, right? We long for intimacy. We we long for relational connection, community. And so in that time period of my life, I was so happy, you know, to see something that was familiar to me, right? Like, even though her grandma was not even Korean, who played the actress, you know, like, but still to see aspects of of who I thought I was right like my identity was based a lot of physical Mm -hmm. appearance I looked Asian my classmates didn't right so I'm going to connect to and feel a sense of kinship with people who look like me like Margaret Cho so I was like so happy to see somebody on the screen but all that to say like to me as believers it is like the most base manner of identity you know it's your physical appearance you know my eye color my hair color who 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 sounds like me it's like we all know that this this kingdom right now this kingdom that is passing away which is like what 90 100 years at best it's a fleeting it's a vapor right and so much of what we stake our identity on is what we look like in this age you know, when we die, I'm getting a freaking <laughs> renewed body, right? Like, I'm waiting for that. No more scoliosis. No more burning easily in the sun. But all that to say is, like, what is our identity in this fleeting vapor of a life? What are our goals set out? What is our heart set on? It's not the recognition that we get in this life. It's not what man-made institutions give us accolades or give us a place at the table for. No, it's the banquet table in the age to come. That's where we need to have a seat at. It is not the seed of Hollywood. It is not the seed of man-made institutions in this age. And it breaks my heart to see believers right now, especially leaders that I respect and I admire. They're galvanizing and they're calling believers to, to raise outrage for a man-made system that is only going to be dust when Jesus returns. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of influence that they're calling us towards. And I'm like, you can have that because Paul calls it freaking garbage. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm praying that God matures me and gives me the convictions, you know, to do something with my last 40 years of my life <laughs> to where I have a seat at that banquet table. Yeah, You know, and that's where I'm hoping that believers and leaders right now, especially in the Asian community right now, are calling us towards. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I And agree. Jesus will serve Asian food at the banquet table. That's So we will have all of it. Is it, is it. We will have fun and not get fat. <laughs> you know, ramen and not get fat. Oh, gosh. I'm the only oh, fat guy in this group, so it's okay for me to say.
3: Yeah, but let's, ta- let's keep on. Like, what's the yeah. biblical prescription? Yeah. One is, like, you need to feel outraged. Yeah. I'm like... Why do you, I need to feel outrage. What does anger serve? Yeah. Right. It makes you feel powerful in the moment. But what biblical fruit is it producing? Right, yeah. right. The Asian church. What is the real sickness right now? It's because we are the church of Laodicea, if I'm okay. going to be honest, you know, especially as an Asian in Southern California, I'm Lord, I am scared because my flesh is so strong here. I'm scared that I'm spiritually dying. If that's going to be the case, God, you've got to remove me from this place. I don't want to die in my flesh here. Mm -hmm. I know there's a greater purpose. So Asian American church, you know, what is the real spiritual issue at hand? Is is racism killing your church or is it a spirit of lukewarmness?
0: Yeah, right on. I think, you know, as we're talking about solutions here, right, what is the right solution Okay, if there is rising racial tension in the nation, or if there is rising racism specifically against Asians, right? What is like how do we how do we treat that right as a, as a people? And look, I think I really don't think the biblical solution is complicated. I think it's actually really simple, and it's actually really effective, and it, it really is forgiveness. It's really forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the nature of how unforgiveness works is that if somebody says, you know, hey, you chink, right, talking to me, and I get hurt by it, then what will happen is the the wound of pain will become will evolve into unrighteous judgment. This is how it always works in relationships, mm-hmm. right? If I'm hurt by somebody, somebody lies to me, and I'm hurt by it, and I don't get healed, I don't forgive what happens is I start to see that person as a liar, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning I can't see their strengths anymore. My affection for them starts to decrease. And then what happens if I let that bitterness continue to evolve, is it turns into unrighteous judgment, not just for them, but for their group, right? Now the people that like them, their friends, right? Their family, they're all liars from my perspective, right? They're all hypocrites. This is how This is how this contagion of bitterness spreads. And it works the same way with racism, right? It works the same way. If somebody calls me a chink and I take offense to it, and I hold that offense in my heart, then I'll start to see them as racist. That's who they are, right? It doesn't matter all their other strengths, all their other, you know, good things. I'm just gonna see them as racist. I'm gonna see them, I'm gonna name them by their weakness that hurt me. And now it's not just them, it's their whole group, right? And that's really how this thing spreads. And so I I say this to say that, like, I think the solution is actually pretty simple, right? It doesn't seem really powerful, but it actually is so powerful that when we forgive, when we forget those who wrong us and we refuse to name them by their sin or to see their sin as the primary attribute of who they are— Right? But we're careful to honor them, right, and to love them. And what happens is we build a larger brotherhood, and that's what I feel like. This whole thing, like, how do we fix the problem of rising racial tension in America? We do it by by rebuking unforgiveness, yeah. rebuking unrighteous judgment, and preaching. A oneness. I think what Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr. did was the template, right, that we're to follow. We're to fight for a larger brotherhood. We're yeah. not fighting for Asians to yes. win against the other ethnic groups in yeah. America. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It, we're not fighting for white people to be, you know, disempowered in America. Right. We're fighting for a larger brotherhood that we in this context is humanity or as Americans that we're fighting for one another. Right. That we're not against one another. We're on the same team here and we're saying, hey, no, we love it. So I think a very practical and important, you know, solution going forward. And I'm just going to say this. I think we need to honor white America. I think we need to honor white America. White America is under greater attack than ever before in our nation's history. But I have to say, when I look at white America, I feel like I've received so much blessing from our white yeah. forefathers and foremothers. And to be clear, this does not mean that we're not blessed by our other ethnic, like I have a black spiritual mother. She's amazing. She's one of the greatest blessings in my life. Okay. I'm not dishonoring her to honor all the white influences yeah. that I'm thankful for that have influenced me, right? The founding fathers of our nation. I think it's evil when we look at them and all we see is slaveholders. holders.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's
0: such an evil judgment of who they are, mm-hmm. right? Especially when slavery was a worldwide institution, right? Mm-hmm. But no, that's not who they are. They Did they have weaknesses? Of course they had weaknesses. But all of their strengths, I'm the direct beneficiary of so many of their strengths, right? They set up a constitutional, right, republic that I'm the direct beneficiary of. They fought in these wars that brought unprecedented freedom. Like, I think we live in one of the most, one of the least racist societies Mm -hmm. in history. And I think most of that is because of the battles that our white forefathers won in this area, Mm -hmm. right? The reality is we don't see a lot of super multi-ethnic nations around the world because it's so difficult yeah it's so difficult to invite other minorities into places of power and authority and influence in your country it's so rare all around the world and so when we're looking at the ways that our white forefathers didn't do this perfectly i think it's okay to point out hey they didn't do it perfectly here they didn't do it perfectly there but at the same time we have to recognize but they have done it so much better than almost every other people group in the history of the world like shouldn't that matter Especially when for us who are, you know, we're all Asian American here. Mm-hmm. Like, we're so blessed to be able to be as influential. Like, we can be congressmen, right? We can be the president. Yeah. Yeah. We can, like, do you think you think if I was a fully white person, you think I could be the president of Korea?
3: <laughs>
0: that ain't happening, right? Like, and that's true for almost any other country in yeah. the world, mm-hmm. right? So whenever we're pointing out the weaknesses in our culture, we have to be very careful to honor the strengths. And it's just, we've come under such an imbalance here. We're so popular to denigrate, right, and to disparage our white forefathers. When the reality is we're we're despising the inheritance that's passed on us. We are the most, we're the richest, Mm -hmm. healthiest, Mm -hmm. you know, society in history. And that's largely because of their wisdom and their righteousness that they passed down to us. And here we are as a generation despising them.
3: Yeah. I think that's a good point. You always say, um, you know, we're more blessed than we are cursed. And I think that that's getting lost in this tidal wave of this outcry, right? Like, I find it ironic that people are, are, you know, so upset on online platforms like Twitter and Facebook. I'm like do you realize that we have power and we have phones and we have access to these, you know, public things like Facebook that where we can complain about how we don't have much Mm -hmm. in this society. I'm like, no, like we're so blessed. We have so much. I feel like sometimes that's the actual problem. Yeah. is We have too much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I talked to my mom yesterday and, um, you know, I grew up in the Philippines. She grew up in the Philippines, and she's like, they don't know what it's like to live in hardship. A lot yeah. of the, uh, you know, Asian Americans here, mm-hmm. they don't know what it's like uh, poverty li- living under Earth floors for the most part. You know, so for sure, yeah, and they're yeah. there's there's no sense of thankfulness, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah.
1: You know
3: what else I have a bone with? <laughs> it's this whole with BLM? If it was, if you're not black, you can't say anything. And with Asians, it's like, if you're not Asian, you can't say anything. That, to me, is such garbage. It's like, so to speak into the hurt of someone suffering under racial attack, quote-unquote, we're going to use racism. (laughs) You can't say anything based on your skin color to tell me anything different. Especially, like I was saying before, especially as believers. You can't tell me Biblical prescription for what is ailing me spiritually because of what you look like like that to me is Ridiculousness, you know and to say oh well You can't say anything if you haven't been a victim of hate crime. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like we are one human race you can't if you're gonna all this relativism that's going on right now like pain is pain No, no I've been through some hardship and I've been through some pain. People have freaking physically hurt and abused me. But do I stand here and do I define myself from those experiences? Or has God taught me some really valuable, important freaking lessons from those things? And I don't dwell on it anymore, right? Yeah. Until that person actually repented. My heart, I share this with our little Bible daily reading group. My heart was already free, right? I didn't have to wait until that person came to me and repented. My heart was free. And guess what? I was smiling because my heart was rooting and ready for them to have freedom. Right? I didn't want them to live under the oppression of condemnation anymore. You know? So all of this, you can't say anything to me. You have no voice to speak. unless (laughs) It's so, it's just, it's childish to me. Mm -hmm. It's childish and it's, Ironically, racism that you're throwing back at the person right. when you say you can't say anything. It's true. And as a believer, I find it shameful.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's true. We're going to have to get you your own segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: This is what happens when you stay with three little kids all day.
2: <laughs> we have a new co-host. <laughs> but to talk about forgiveness, I, I want to share a personal experience. A lot of you guys already know this. Yeah. So I'm Filipino. My wife is Korean, and when we got engaged, her parents said, Nope! Absolutely not. Prior to engagement. Prior to engagement, sorry, yeah. Absolutely not. And one of the things she said um, was that Filipinos are. What'd she say? Small.
1: Small and dark. (laughs) Small,
2: dark people. (laughs) Sorry. Right? So. Man, I that's, hear that. That's mean. I hear that, and I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I can't change myself because <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love with Jenny. I'm willing to do anything to her, yeah. right? Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, fast forward, right? Uh, I love my in-laws now. Yeah. They have taken me in. <laughs> they love me, uh, and, but in between that too. I go to my wife's church and it's a Korean church and I'm starting to notice that Koreans are very cliquish, Mm. that Koreans only (laughs) uh, hang out with Koreans. And, uh, they just, anyways, uh, long story short, um, there was this kind of this bitterness that started to grow from what my wife's mom said from how I see Koreans are like, you know, they don't, allow anybody else to come into their group type of thing. I'm not saying all Koreans but that's what I noticed. I was Mm -hmm. like is there any other non-Koreans here except me? Right?
1: We call them (laughs) non-Koreans.
2: That was was the word. Non-Koreans. It's the Koreans and then the Gentiles. Um, So I start to start making jokes about the Koreans and my wife is Korean. So there was this like anger. And I was like, then I start to notice like, wow, this bitterness is growing. Mm-hmm. And also in the Philippines, mm. there's a lot of Koreans that are going over there. And the Filipino population are very angry at them for how they're being treated by Koreans. Mm. So there's that. Yeah. So if, if left unchecked, it could go to full-blown racism. Mm. And that's what happened you know uh, yeah. sad to say i start to see Koreans and i would get angry mm. man Koreans you guys are just man too exclusive you're too exclusive mm. you're too ex- so stop with that mm-hmm. like and i painted every korean with the same brush it wasn't until i repented and i said god help mm. me to forgive yeah help me to help me to yeah. love help me not to judge every korean this way yeah right so i think forgiveness and people yeah you underestimate yeah. there's a command from god to forgive we yes. need to forgive it frees okay. you it loves yes. you it allows you to go through samaria i mean this is what jesus did yeah. go through samaria yeah. instead of going around it yeah. right and being amongst yeah koreans yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now all of my friends i kid you not most of my friends, 90% are Koreans. Yes. We right? love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I am mean, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. so anyways, that very long with For this story great. to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Forgive, yeah. And yeah. also
3: what you said to repent of your own bitterness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So much is cloaked in this yeah. feel their pain. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But What are we, it's, and it's, it's seen as insensitive, you know, as if you push them towards forgiveness right away, right? no, listen to them first and empathize with them. But how much, what funky business is the enemy doing within that? You know what I mean? We got to be, I think so much, we have to be guarding what we feel and what we think because of what we feel right now. Yeah.
4: Yeah. When he was talking about forgiveness, I feel I kind of touched on this last Thursday at our prayer meeting. But I feel like one of the greatest strengths in the Asian community is our um, humility and our meekness. Yeah. And I I yeah. see a lot of Asian leaders speaking out about how it's time for Asian Americans to stand up and to fight for ourselves and mm-hmm. fight for a place on the table, fight yeah. for representation. You know, it's time for us to, to fit in. And I'm like, what? See, at what freaking table? Like, why does it matter? yes. Like stand up for yourself, but the the spirit behind it, I feel like it parallels a lot. We're talking about it with our little group. Like it parallels a lot of like the BLM movement, where it's uh, born out of out of bitterness and born out of anger, and and the fruit of it, like like she was saying earlier, it's just it's so evil, you know. And I just feel like we're not able to appreciate our strength and our humility our strength and our meekness like those are not yeah. weaknesses but i feel like now we're starting to view those out weaknesses yeah it's, like, it's because we've been so humble and so meek that we've allowed ourselves to be run over in this society it's like no that is one of the our greatest strengths and i think it's more important now than ever that we hold on to those strengths and ask the lord yes. for more humility asking for more meekness. Yeah. Yeah, and like yeah, i do see like there is a risk of, I see it, like, going even more parallel with the BLM movement, like, where bitterness and anger continues to grow. But my hope for the Asian American community is that we lead a counter-movement where it's the opposite of BLM, where we can honor our white ancestors because so much of our blessings are from the white ancestors. Like it was primarily a lot of like the, I think we're talking about it last week too, like the Anglo missionaries who went to like places like Korea to evangelize. And it's because of those people that we are here today as Christians. And, you know, we're forgetting about all of that. We just think, no, it's like, it's the white people who are racist, but no, it's because of them that we're here today. And I, and I, my hope for us as a community is that we'll leave that new, like, screw whatever awakening that they're talking about like, i feel like it's so demonic and in spirit but I, I pray that we'll like the asian american community will rise during this time not in the ways that society tells us to but that will rise to lead a counter movement where we can say like here we are as minorities honoring our white forefathers showing them the honor that they deserve the respect that they deserve you know yeah. And, yeah. And, and i and just feel how like far we've come yeah, that, yeah. And, and that, that comes from a place of humility and weakness, yes. you know? So I, I hope that we tap into that strength, that we won't continue yeah. to despise it yes. or view it as a weakness, sure. but we'll tap into it yeah. and that it'll multiply in this yeah. season. Yeah.
0: So good. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the anointing of America that yeah. you as a Korean American mm-hmm. can say, our white forefathers. Yeah. Right, and that's true. That's not yeah. false. They mm-hmm. are our spiritual forefathers, yeah. mm-hmm. right? They're not literally by DNA, but we've come into their inheritance, yes. right? Mm-hmm. As being Americans, right? We've come into you know their, the nation that they established, but the values and the way of life and all of this—it has become mm-hmm. ours. Yes. We're American, right? And that is—that's such an incredible. Um, and wonderful thing. And I'll just say this, like, yeah, everything you're talking about is we have to avoid the temptation of tribalism.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. We have
0: to avoid that temptation. That's a temptation for every people group, right? That we're going to fight for our people group and not and against the other people groups. And I just need mm-hmm. to say this as a warning. Look, the only reason America is as great as it is, is because white people have not given in to that kind of tribalism yeah. in the modern past, all right, in the recent past. Now, we all are familiar with the slave era and Jim Crow and all of that, yeah. but the reality is this. If we see white supremacy really start to rise again yeah. in America, what that is, that's the white tribalism. Because what's going on is the, the, the critical race theory and the neo-Marxism that's popular today is basically arguing, hey... It's okay for you to be tribalism, to be tribalist as long as you're not white, right? Mm -hmm. If you're black, you shouldn't be tribalist, right? You shouldn't be about the future of your black people and fighting for your rights. And if you're Mexican, yeah, you should be pro Latino, right? And if you're Asian, you should be pro Asian. Well, you better hope that the white people don't start doing that, right? Because if the white people start doing that, honestly, It's going to be freaking terrible for everyone. And I'll i just say, I am worried about that. I'm super worried about that long term, that we are (laughs) going to see a rising white supremacist movement. Yeah. Okay? But the narrative that's out there is like, that's Trump, right? Trump is the rising white supremacist. And that's simply (laughs) not true. Okay? Could there be some white supremacists who agree with Trump? Yes. But look- that's the media's effort to, to build that narrative, okay? It's mostly evangelical Christians who support Trump, right? Because they're against all of this type of stuff that we're talking about. But I, I'm seriously worried about this long term. I'm yes. worried yeah. that a white tribalism is going to yeah. become more and more popular. But the way that you stop a white tribalism is not by supporting an Asian tribalism. Yeah. Okay, Satan cannot cast out Satan. The more we become tribal, the more it's going to encourage a white tribalism, a white response to that. And so my encouragement to everyone is the answer is, hey... We have to love one another, forgive one another. We are one humanity, right? We are one people as Americans. Okay, we're thankful for our white founding fathers. We're thankful even for our black founding fathers, right? The slaves, right, who persevered under so much persecution, right? They're heroes of our American Christian tradition. We have to honor and give thanks for all of these people groups and say, we're not fighting against one another. We're fighting for a greater brotherhood. And that was the message of Martin Luther King Jr. It's why he's still a great, amazing hero. We have to carry that message today, right? That one day he said, I have a dream that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Okay, that message is a conservative message today. That is not not the message of the intersectional left. Okay, the intersectional left is all about judging by skin color as opposed to character. Mm All right, but really it's the conservative movement that's carrying on that spirit of saying, hey, we're not going to get tribal. We are not going to give into this thing, right? And we're going to fight for forgiveness and for unity as one people. And that is really the heart of what... You know, I think the conservative movement represents right now.
3: Yeah. This reminds me of the, of what it says in Revelation that there's like a multitude before the throne of every tongue, tribe, and nation, and yeah. we're all clothed in white, right? Worshipping the Lord. Yeah. I feel like we're misunderstanding that right now. It's like we're trying to make it about the, the defining border of what our nationalities are, but the beauty of that picture to come is that we are all before the throne like yeah. we are one body we've been grafted yeah. into one body and that's something that yeah. we should be focusing on celebrating and, and working towards instead of trying to break it back down into how different
0: you know yes. according
3: to skin tone yes
0: yeah i i just think it's it, it, christianity is what enables us to do what we do here in america mm-hmm. christianity is what enables racial unity Farther our nation drifts from Christianity, from biblical Christianity, I think we are going to see rising racial tensions, right, and racial warfare. And I, I really do think the, the the core messages of Christianity are forgiveness, right? Of repentance, right? Of examining yes. your own sinfulness before right you're concerned about the sinfulness of others. There's so much of this, you know, of this spirit is like, hey, the reason you can't succeed is because of everyone's sin against you. Right, it turns you into a person who's so focused on how everyone else's sin is affecting you rather than how your own sin is affecting you. Yeah. Right, The core message of Christianity is that, hey, it's not so important what other people are doing to me. What's important is that what I'm doing, and if I'm doing what's right, then the Lord will bless me more than any man can curse me. Yeah. Right, That my destiny will be great in Him, even if I'm living... In an oppressive, unjust society, I can still be free from bitterness, free from fear. Even if I'm a slave, scripture says, I'm Christ's free man, right? I'm not, my identity is not as a slave. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm going to rule and reign with him for eternity. This is the inheritance that we have in Christianity, right? Let's not trade that in for some type of worldly Marxist (sighs) paradigm where we start to value all the prestige and things Mm -hmm. of this world, things that matter in this Mm -hmm. world, and we despise the spiritual inheritance passed on to us from our spiritual Mm -hmm. forefathers. Okay, well, we hope um, that that discussion was helpful for everybody listening. This is our first um, try something like this, but I actually thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think it would be cool for us to do um, more like this. I don't know. We'll see how this one turns out. But thanks for joining us. God bless.